Recovery Daily podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Miller. I'm a stroke survivor and grateful recovering alcoholic. And today's topic is physical, chemical, and emotional stress. When I came out of my detox and went to IOP, I learned about stress and how to cope with stress. And what I also learned is that the reason why they teach this to uh, recovering alcoholics is because people who have addictive diseases are stress sensitive. You can imagine when you are withdrawing from something um, that if for any of you who used to smoke (laughs) and you are trying to quit smoking, you almost um, feel like maybe you need to go on a week vacation and try to like get off of the cigarettes and not be around anybody because you're just nasty. At least that's how I felt when I quit smoking. Um, And so eliminating alcohol from your body same thing. You're, um, you're very prone to stress. And so what we learned is that it's important to, excuse me, recognize, manage and reduce your stress. And we learned about, um, where you are most likely going to find stress. All of this is pretty self-explanatory, you know, like job-related stress uh, due to meeting deadlines or having too much work or having conflicts with uh, your coworkers or your boss. Um, Another source of stress is your personal life, you know, uh, marriage problems, money problems, illness, And then a third, your environment. So um, just being around people (laughs) would be one source of stress, uh, traffic, um, and just an inability to relax. Maybe your home life is stressful, you're in an unhappy marriage, something like that. So being able to recognize these sources of stress And then we learned the standard ideas for how to manage your stress. Um, So setting aside time for yourself, exercising, doing deep breathing and hobbies and meditation. You know, you've heard it before. And then how to reduce your stress, talking about um, going to therapy, making sure you get sleep, Uh, good nutrition, growing spiritually. And so what I think is interesting, so what I've learned uh, later is wouldn't it be nice if we could manage the stress before we feel it rather than dealing with it after the fact? You know, by then it's managing stress and reducing stress these uh, techniques and methodologies are, it's too late at that point. But nonetheless, um, I was given something called tips for coping stressful 
tips for coping with stressful situations. So TIPS is the acronym, T-I-P-S. And um, so because, back to recovering alcoholics, because stressful situations pose dangers for recovering alcoholics, um, it, they really can't afford to get overwhelmed by events, especially uh, early in sobriety. So, uh, TIPS, what does that stand for? Oh, dear. My phone is talking again. <laughs> Sorry about that. I'm learning voiceover, I told you before, but um, I'm having a hard time having it turn off during podcasts. So, we were interrupted. Here we are. We're back at, what does TIPS stand for, Rachel? Well, I'll tell you. So uh, T stands for truth. So this is how to cope with stressful situations. Number one, truth. Be honest about how you feel. Keeping things inside will only add to stress and worry. Um, And it's funny how when you tell somebody about how you're feeling, sometimes you say it and then you're like, well, that sounds ridiculous when I say it out loud. So that's another reason why it's important to talk about how you feel. So uh, T is for truth. I is for information. Um, Ignorance is not bliss. So arm yourself with knowledge. Whatever it is that you're stressed about. So for example, I'm stressed about my health. I'm stressed about um, is this vision therapy going to work for me? Well, the best thing I can do is research it. So that's why you keep hearing uh, voiceover in the background because I'm learning how to use it so that I can do my own research online. So arm yourself with knowledge. I is information. P is for priorities. Keep your priorities straight. So when you're in a stressful situation, it's really easy to to kind of lose your uh, focus. Um, So this is more about keeping your eye on the prize. You know, if you're, you know, I I can tell you, I've been to a lot of meetings at work where I start getting stressed out. There's lots of side conversations and we almost lose our focus of the meeting and start identifying this is a problem, that is a problem. And so, um, and that just causes a lot of a lot of stress. And even though those are important uh, additional problems that we need to look at, what we uh, should do in the moment, though, is maybe put that information. We call it put it in the parking lot, and really uh, keep our eye on what is most important and concentrate only on those few things. So, the same with stress in life. Um, so keeping your priorities and then S stands for support, use your support network, whether that is people in a fellowship, friends, family, a therapist. So those are the tips that I learned for coping with stressful situations. 
However, like I said, I feel like it's too late at the point where we're talking about managing stress. So I wanted to look into what does stress do to the brain and how can I eliminate it from the start? How can I avoid getting stressed from the beginning? And so stress can come in lots of different forms. And I think that um, when you're in recovery, whether it is from alcoholism or in stroke recovery like I am, you almost can't decipher it sometimes. Like, it's pretty uh, easy, maybe looking on the from the outside in, it's easy to see somebody who is uh, detoxing off of alcohol that they are adding chemical stress to their body, like their cells are requiring alcohol and you are keeping it away from them. So that is more of a chemical stress. And then um, the emotional stress, that's kind of what I was talking about at the beginning of, of this episode. What are the, the environmental type things that cause us emotional stress? And then finally, there's physical stress. And I think that uh, the physical stress can very much be tied to recovery from alcoholism, but also the, um, the recovery that I'm going through right now and, and vision therapy. So the, the goal of vision therapy is to not cause my, my brain, uh, too much physical stress or strain. So, um, what I was doing today, and I don't know that I should have done it, but I did it anyway, because that's what I do, because I'm a fool. <laughs> I was sitting, or I was standing outside with one of the dogs, and um, just waiting, because they uh, just decide to go out there and do nothing, instead of doing their business. So I was standing there, and we live in um, an area where the, the planes fly over pretty close to our house. So I haven't been able to look up and look at the plane go by because it uh, goes too fast. It hurts my head. Well, today I looked up and I kept my eye on the plane and um, I, I was inclined to look away. Usually I, I look away. Um, it's like beyond my control look away because it just hurts, you know? So you, it's like touching a hot stove kind of thing. You just pull away before, before you get severely burned. Well, I usually look away from the airplane going overhead, uh, before it starts hurting, but I didn't do that today. I guess, um, it didn't cause the initial reaction that it usually does, which is kind of like, it's, uh, it's an extreme 
jolt of dizziness and nausea kind of thing. Anyway, um, I, that's what I think of as physical stress is, uh, what I'm trying to manage here with my vision. So, uh, if people in recovery experience elevated stress, um, then I imagine that that stress is, uh, it's devastating for your body and your brain. Uh, stress is devastating for your brain. So I wanted to uh, learn more about how stress impacts the brain and what I can do in order to encourage um, good brain health, I guess. So um, what I learned is that I may not notice low stress, and, and that's that's what's happening to me. I just had an epiphany. <laughs> when I am doing something, like let's let's look at the plane again. When I'm doing something, um, like standing outside, and I'm watching the clouds go by. That's what I've been, that's about the speed that I can watch something move. So I'm watching the clouds go by. Um, if I stand there long enough watching the clouds go by, I'll start to feel a low level of strain in my head. What I call it, and I've talked about it before, is the rubber band feeling. I can feel the rubber band feeling um, start kicking in and it feels like a low level of stress in my head, I guess, physically. And so if I ignore that, which I have been trying really hard to start acknowledging that it's there because once I start feeling it, excuse me, it'll go from zero to 10 in an instant. If I continue to expose my eyes to whatever it is that is causing that rubber band feeling in my head. And so from that constant exposure and shooting up to a 10, um, then all of a sudden, it, it would probably look like I'm overreacting to the, to the stress. So if I'm, I'm standing there looking at the clouds and I stand there just a, just a few seconds too long, then I'll all of a sudden look away and I'll, you'll probably, probably hear me go, oh, because it just gives me this really bad feeling, this nausea and dizziness, and um, it feels like a hangover. Um, and so once I feel, so we'll call that high stress. So once I feel that high stress feeling, um, then that's when we've got problems. That's when I start getting uh, sharp pains in my head, um, I have all these extra symptoms of nausea and 
if it gets too bad, um, like you may have noticed yesterday in yesterday's episode, I will start being uh, challenged to finish my sentences or find words to uh, words that are usually easier to come by. I'll be challenged um, by remembering the word. So um, anyway, so uh, what I learned is uh, for um, four activities, let's say, that are conducive to uh, a healthy brain, which will help us reduce stress. And this should help reduce physical, chemical, and emotional stress. And I'm going to get a little more into the chemical a little later, but physical and emotional stress for sure. So um, these are going to sound very familiar, but what I think is interesting is to look at this from the perspective of brain health rather than looking at it from the manage stress and reduce stress. That is like managing the after effect, which is the stress. What we're talking about is uh, preparing our brains ahead of time to be able to avoid stress. So the first one is exercise. So um, exercise encourages the connections in our brain. So I'm going to talk in a little bit about the connections in our brain. Um, And I want you to think back to the episode on happy chemicals because all of this ties together. So exercise encourages brain connections. Number two, sleeping well. Um, I mentioned it before in one of the episodes about how sleeping, when we sleep, it's like our brain is hitting the save button. So while we're sleeping, our neuro connections are strengthened and our brain reorganizes itself. So these things that we learn... um, they they really get kind of imprinted on our brain while we're sleeping. The third one is food. And I've heard this several times, so I thought I would share. Um, we talk about it in my home a lot, that a Mediterranean diet is extremely healthy for your brain. A Mediterranean diet is uh, very full of fruits, veggies, fish, olive oil, and nuts. So as soon as I mentioned this to my boyfriend uh, earlier today, he, uh, 
he reached into the cabinet and pulled out a, a bowl of walnuts for me to start eating. And I said, oh, why, thank you. So, <laughs> so a Mediterranean diet. And the fourth one is meditation. And so meditation is uh, considered training for your brain. It is, um, I talk about practicing meditation well, it is. It's practicing. It's training. It's learning how to control your emotions, learning how to uh, control your focus, uh, your awareness, and all of that stuff. So um, to uh, support a healthy brain to avoid stress or better uh, handle it when you, when you feel it coming on, you want to exercise, sleep, uh, eat a Mediterranean diet, uh, or something similar and meditation. So this is, uh, also what's interesting. All of this seems to be tying together, uh, all of this research that I'm doing about brain stuff and chemicals and all of that stuff. So, what the vision therapy is doing for me is um, it's, it's to encourage neuroplasticity. So neuroplasticity is how our brain changes due to our experiences. I think years and years and years ago, they thought that your brain didn't change, that once you reach a certain age, like, you're done being a sponge and can't teach an old dog new tricks and all that stuff. Um, and although it may be a little more difficult to learn as we get older, our brain still um, rewires itself. And so that's what my vision therapy is all about. It's about the part of my brain that died um, I have to use the other parts of my brain to take on the tasks that the, the dead part of my brain uh, used to do. So um, how can I encourage neuroplasticity? How can I encourage my brain to make those connections? So of course these are uh, almost identical to um, what we can do to support a healthy brain to avoid stress. So number one, um, paying attention. So we're talking about neuroplasticity. Keep up, keep up. <laughs> uh, we're talking about neuroplasticity. Number one, pay attention, mindfulness. So uh Control, having that mental control and focus encourages, just like I said, um, for the stress uh, activities, encourages uh, connections in our brain. And one thing that I learned that it's really uh, interesting to me is if you meet an activity with a boost of adrenaline uh, so that it causes you to be more alert, 
then uh, that also uh, will be helpful to like encourage those neural connections. So you learn better if you have a boost of adrenaline go through your body when you are uh, exposed to something. So coffee or uh, somebody blowing an an air horn (laughs) at you, something like that will encourage you to um, remember and learn. I thought that was interesting. So number two, to encourage neuroplasticity, uh, exercise. And that was number one for how we're going to avoid stress. So number three, encouraging neuroplasticity is repetition. So in vision therapy, what I have to do is I have to do this um, exercise where I'm looking at something, a card that is six feet away from me, and then I count to three, and then I look at a card that's 13 feet away from me. And I count to three and I go back and forth and back and forth. So what's interesting is I've been doing this for several weeks now. And then last week, all of a sudden, the closer card was clear. I could see it. Um, It was clear as day. It was crystal clear. And then um, so I had to move the card about three to five inches closer to me and then uh, do the same exercise and now it's not clear anymore. So it's amazing to me how days and days of doing this twice a day, um, how that I actually could see the result from, from the work that I've been doing, from the repetition So to be able to see something like that happening is proof to me that all this bullshit that I'm reading is not bullshit. It's it's true. Um, So I need to continue to have hope, you know, and I've talked a lot about hope. I have a whole episode about hope. And so when we can see that our behaviors are we can see the results from our behaviors, then it really feeds hope. Um, The next thing that encourages neuroplasticity is taking breaks. So I do my homework. um, I do my card homework. And um, so that's like I'm at 19 cycles at this point. And then I take a break. I actually take a break for several hours and then I do it again in the afternoon. And taking that break in the middle is conducive to um, to building those neural connections too. That's also why it's important when we have like a class at work or something like that, that we give lots of breaks because um, it encourages learning for lots of reasons. And then the last one is sleep. So that was also a part of the avoiding stress. Um, So neuroplasticity 
is encouraged by number one, mindfulness, paying attention, two, exercise, three, repetition, four, breaks, and five, sleep. So um, then we get the happy chemicals involved. So uh, we learned that serotonin is um, what flows when we feel important. And serotonin also uh, gets flowing when we are involved in uh, repetitive behaviors. So that's interesting because that ties right into my vision therapy. And then dopamine is a surge of pleasure when we accomplish something. So you can imagine that when one day I sat down to do my homework with my vision therapy cards and I all of a sudden could see the closer card more clearly, I probably had a little rush of dopamine because I accomplished something, at least at least that it felt like it. And, um, and so uh, endorphins, and these are what uh, exercise uh, provides us. So I took my dog Autumn out today to the school beside my house, and they have a really nice playground that they just finished. So um, after her and I went into the field, um, I... <laughs> I just like sometimes she'll just stand next to me because I she just wants to be next to me. So I have to like act like I'm getting ready to run. And so I take a couple steps and then she'll just launch into like 50 mile or 50 mile 50 yard run or something like that. So um, anyway, that's enough exercise for me really to just be out there and try to get her running. But we went over to the playground and I was doing um, agility, uh, agility exercises with her. So she, I got her to go on the merry-go-round. So I got her to get up there and lay down. And she just rode it while I spun it around slowly, of course. And then we walked all over the little jungle gym thing and... I got her to go down the slide. She wouldn't go down the slide until I went down the slide first. Um, and then I took her down the big slide. And again, she wouldn't do it until I did it first. So I started going down the big slide. And she wanted to go right after me. So we had a collision at the bottom of the slide. And then all of a sudden, I see her whole body launch over my head and she jumped over my head so um but she came back for more so she didn't get hurt or anything so I had her going uh up and down the jungle gym slide it was pretty fun um so today I focused on doing these things that are going to encourage my neuroplasticity. And I'm hoping that um, you got some value also, because it's not just somebody who had a stroke who um, can, can benefit from 
doing these types of things that encourage neuroplasticity because we're trying to learn things every day. And also uh, to manage stress, it all seems to be tied together. So that's what I have for you today. Thanks for listening and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye.